Join us as we kick off the month of May with our most requested episode guest, Denise D'Amico. Denise serves as the chapter's Vice President of Program and Operations, but has worn many hats over her 20-plus year career with Make-A-Wish. Denise manages and leads our team towards chapter organizational goals while supporting the growth of and adding to the mission of Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. Here is Denise D'Amico. Denise, welcome to the Wish House Podcast. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't know I was the most requested, so I really appreciate that. I feel honored. Yes, everyone always asks, when is Denise's episode going to air? We're so happy to be able to share this episode, you know, during the month of May. Um, So that's uh, so we're looking forward to sharing your story with the rest of our supporters at our channel. My birthday is in the month of May, so it's the perfect time to celebrate. Exactly. And actually... Going back to, you know, anniversaries and birthdays and celebrations, you know, let's talk about how you first heard about Make-A-Wish. When was the first time you recall um, hearing about the organization and kind of what prompted you to then start your path and your journey here at Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley? Sure. I actually went through my archives of information and I remembered I volunteered in college, which I totally forgot. Wow. Um, interviewing for the job. Um, but I had, I worked, for, I was taking a class, leaders and leadership, and we had a volunteer for a local not-for-profit and I chose Make-A-Wish. So I had to write a paper about my experience and um, I ended up participating in a bowl in Plattsburgh, good old Plattsburgh, New York. It was a great experience. <laughs> in the paper, I guess they were very well organized. I felt fulfilled. Um, and that was in 1996. So we're talking about 1996. You first got heard uh, first heard about Make Wish. You had this opportunity to volunteer during college. You went to SUNY Plattsburgh, if I remember correctly. I did. Yeah. And yes. um and and the chapter that I guess hosted those opportunities for you was the Northeast chapter. Um, right. So what kind of got you from SUNY Plattsburgh, Northeast New York? and got mm-hmm. you down to the Hudson Valley uh, chapter in Tarrytown. Sure, so I graduated in 97, and then after that I was interviewing a lot. I had worked for corporate GE taxes as a temp, and they allowed me to interview at any time I would want to. And then I had a lot of offers, um, but when I walked into the Make-A-Wish office in Mount Kisco, I could feel like there was a special feeling um, where I felt that I belonged with Make-A-Wish. And um, lo and behold, I did hear back. At the time, it was Jane Sherman was our CEO and Sharon Forbes was our board chair. And she worked for IBM. IBM was very involved with Make-A-Wish during that time. And um, I, they gave me an offer. And um, two weeks later, I was moving to, to the Westchester County area. <laughs> Crazy because I come from an Italian family. You just, you don't leave your hometown. Um, so not to sound cliche, but I definitely had that it, it was a calling to, you know, uproot myself and move down here and be a part of Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. And can we talk about how now you're entering your 23rd year with Make-A-Wish, yes. which yes, is wild and it's insane, right? Yes. I remember Jane said, I hope I just, can you promise me to stay for a year? And I remember thinking I couldn't say yes, <laughs> <laughs> but here I am 23 years later and still, I feel definitely connected to the mission and I feel very grateful to be a part of such an amazing organization. And if you could share with our listeners a little bit about your experience working at the Mount Kisco office, because we reference that a lot during our orientations, during our trainings. We always go back and, t- and share about our history and how we started. We were in a small office. There was only three of us at the time. Um, Jane Sherman and Tammy was the WISH coordinator. I actually started as the development coordinator, which meant I was overseeing um, external events, the database, office operations. Um, in the first few Months, I, I'm not going to lie, it was it was challenging because there wasn't a lot of structure at the time. There was only three of us. We're just trying to, you know, survive at the time. And I think I had a job description that was four and a half pages long. There was so much involved. But I, you know, I still, I stuck it out. Um, and what happened was Tammy was the wish coordinator and she left or she was getting a job as a teacher. And um, they were looking for someone to fill that spot. I took over as WISH coordinator. I had to still apply. I remember interviewing with um, certain board members, Dennis Hurley. He was in charge of our program, our program department on the board, program committee. That's what they called it. So I still had to interview him. But when I took over that position, I 
fell in love with what I was doing. I loved coming to work every day, working with wishes, doing wish grantor trainings. Um, at that time, we called every volunteer. We didn't have emails. So when we were signing wishes, you would have to call everyone on the phone and ask if they would you know, be open to <laughs> Picking on a wish. I don't know how we did it. I, I don't know. How, it was so. such a it's such a different time uh, when you really think about it. And you know, for our listeners that are a little bit on the younger side that don't know or don't recall a time when there was no email or there was no internet or there wasn't any that type of communications, digital communications. Everything was done real grassroots where you picked up the phone, called somebody, hope you had that you got them when they were still at the house before they left the house. Hope they had an answering machine where you could leave a message because um, otherwise it would just keep on ringing. Um, so it's, it's very interesting that you know, you remember that period of time where you where it was again more grassroots. It really was. It took a village to grant wishes, not just internally as a staff member, but also really relying on our volunteer base to kind of help us get us over the finish line. You can say um, on granting wishes. So that's an amazing, um, amazing time. Uh, it was, and the wish granters were much more involved than they are now. That's Bo. Bo, would you like to say something? <laughs> I think he wants to be a wish grant. Yes. <laughs> um, they would. They were in charge of coordinating the limo arrangements. They would be the ones to call the hotels directly at times. So it was a little bit different where I didn't have as much responsibility. Um, they were also in charge of creating itineraries. Um, right. We have to do that piece. Um, so it was definitely um, a different dynamic as far as wish granting. And they were even more involved. So as the years went by, I think it just became more structured and they, they were able to focus more on the fun and not as much as on the logistic part of it. Yeah. That, and that's something that we also always have struggled as a chapter is kind of how much do we get the volunteers involved in the logistics of stuff because we want them to feel connected, but at the same time, we also need to have some control of how those wishes kind of play out in real time. Um, so by doing those things in-house, it does allow for the wish grinders to focus on all the enhancements, focus on all the things that leave that indelible mark on a child's memory, you know, of their experience and having them focus on the fun stuff definitely allows for more memories to be made as a result, mm -hmm. which is ultimately our goal and our mission as a chapter. Now you talk about, um, you know, creating relationships and you know, you've, you've actually built really amazing relationships, significant relationships over the years, both with wish alumni, wish parents, volunteers. You also share some stories of some of those um, people you've met along the way that have not only, you know, were where maybe when you first met them were only volunteers and then they they kind of transformed over the over time because of your relationship and how it's built um into you know really some really extended family ultimately sure well i i actually was going to uh, mention before when i first started as development coordinator i had worked on um the bars event so that was one of the first events that I remember working on. And I remember they were really cool tie-dye shirts. I was like, this is a really cool event, you know, that happened. I, mean, I saw pictures and I was just handling the, the donation part. Um, and then I was also working on Bob Fuhrer's golf event. So those were the two first events that I ended up working on and I have clear, vivid memories of. And of course, they're still involved today. Um, Jamie Barr is one of our, you know, best volunteers, wish granters, um, and was the, our first uh, episode on our podcast that we launched oh. with. So for our listeners, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to Jamie's episode, go back to episode number one. And it's actually Jamie Barr. We talk at length about his experiences with Make Wish Hudson Valley. So we encourage you to, we'll make sure to add it in the show notes for our listeners. Okay. So you can just click on it. It'll get to you right away. Um, so you can catch up on Jamie Barr's experience. And Bob Fuhr, who's one of our current bar board directors, he, he's, you know, mm -hmm. we, we tend to find a lot of board directors serve some time on the board. Board and then they um, they go on to other things and then they come back again many years later. And Bob is a great example of one of those where he always is looking at hosting really unique events like golf outings. Most okay. recently, he had a uh, a fundraiser, I believe, that was a um, was it a crossword something with a crossword. Something. I want to I want to say yes. Yeah. It was like a crossword chess kind of thing. Yes. It was this. It was a. I think you're right. I think it was a crossword tournament. Um, that was a very specific person. I can't remember off the top of my head. Who I was. know. I can't either. There's I'm so sure many things. Would know. I think yeah, that happens to us a lot, right, Denise? Where we uh, kind of. All the time. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, our, our memories kind of become 
all mumbled um, over the years and a lot of, yeah everything becomes blended where I think like oh no I know that happened in 2002 and then later on I find out that it happened much later <laughs> exactly <laughs> and I was completely wrong but um, I guess that happens after so many years yeah, for our listeners, just so you're aware, if we do keep any of these uh, outtakes in, you know, we do have one of, uh, you know, Denise's new family members. Uh, we have yes, Bo D'Amico, who's a a beautiful uh, cavapoodle. Is that correct? Denise? He is. He's a cavapoodle, so I need to change my wish on. On our website. On our website, because I initially put a mini doodle, but. Ah, there you go. So there's, a, oh, there's Bo looking yes. super cute. And sorry, everybody. He uh, was eating very fast. And <laughs> <laughs> he's a puppy. He's still learning yeah. how to how to be a dog. He is. It's only been a week and a half, but he's wonderful. There he's you wonderful. go. My wish came true, Hombo. Yeah. And um, we'll be sure to share some snippets of uh, of Bo to our uh, to our listeners, so you guys can take a look how cute this dog is. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, going back on what we talked about with regards to some of those early volunteers that are still involved with us, like Jamie Barr and Bob Fuhrer, who uh, currently serves on our board. And Jamie, again, is, uh, you know, one of our longest tenured volunteers at the chapter. But you've also built really great relationships with other, you know, former volunteers or, you know, former board directors like the Tony Cardone's. Tony, yes. I was just going to say he's on speed dial. Anytime we have a wish that comes up, that seems challenging. I'm working on a treehouse wish right now um, that's taking place in Sullivan County. And I can just, I text him and say, here's the situation. He, he makes it happen two days later, you know, no problem. I'll take care of it. You know, he's, he has so many, contacts throughout Orange County, Sullivan County. If he doesn't have contacts there, he'll reach out to the other counties um, to help us, whether it be a red carpet rollout for Donovan's Wish. Um, I know he worked on an adaptive play set a few years ago, um, and now he's working on this Treehouse Wish for us. And I think he even helped out recently with a Woodbury Commons shopping spree wish. He connected us to the right people and created a VIP wish experience for a child from Westchester County. And it was during the pandemic. So he created an experience that was safe for our child. And the, he couldn't even spend all of his money because all the stores were so taken, generous generous, and they, you know, were uh, donating a lot of what the, the wish child wanted. So Tony's amazing. I can't imagine when I think about Make-A-Wish, you know, I think of Tony um, and I hope he sticks around. He also plants flowers at the Wish House. <laughs> he does. Yeah. And and really, uh, he I does mean, it all. He does. He does do it all. And, and for those that are listening that aren't really aware of who Tony Cardone is, I mean, Tony Cardone and his wife, Fran, they used to own a Fran's Hallmark, um, you know, Hallmark store in, in, our, in Monroe and uh, in Orange County. And it was really, you know, it's a great family business. And now he... He currently serves as a uh, government official for, you know, Orange County, which is pretty cool. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're that we're trying to highlight on the podcast is how, you know, it does take many people to create wishes. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are helping us that, you know, people in the public may not be aware of or may not know the names. They may see us as a staff because we're we're always there. We're in the office. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the people in the community which makes up the fabric of our chapter and people like Tony Cardone, like Monica Gadotti's. If you could share a little bit about our volunteer, Monica and Darren, you know, and how, you know, th that relationship also has has grown over the years. You know, they served as volunteer. They serve as volunteers, as wish granting volunteers. They tend to team up a lot together on uh, on wishes. They they also work on a lot of challenging wishes as well. Um, we are looking forward to sharing the Monica Gadotti and Darren Scala oh, joint episode, which is also going to be taking place during this month of, uh, of May. So um, please look out for it for those that are listening in, if it hasn't been released yet. Uh, but yeah, but if you could share a little bit about Monica and Darren and, and kind of how you got to know them over the years. Yeah. I was going to say one of the best parts about being affiliated with Make-A-Wish is meeting extraordinary people like Darren and Monica. I mean, there's two of the best people I've ever met. Um, I think Monica was an office volunteer first, I believe. And I remember her running around working with you. She had so much energy and then she became a wish granter. And um, then I 
um, definitely was much more connected to her. Um, I mean, I think her and Darren are uh, the dynamic duo. They'll do all the wishes that we have at Sunshine Children's Home, um, Elizabeth Seaton. Um, they take on those challenging wishes because they really, they have a unique way of getting to the heart of those wishes, you know, with those facilities. And I mean, Monica goes above and beyond creating parties for those kids and making sure every detail um, is taken care of and thought of. And, and they just have such a nice way of, of um, making families feel like they're the only family, um, that they're very special and that each wish is unique to that child. And they're, they're to me, Darren and Monica are like family, um, which is what I think about when I think about Make-A-Wish. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, again, for those that are listening to the podcast is that, you know, we really are at our chapter, we really are about all the relationships that we're able to build locally. Um, you know, one of the ways that, you know, we've been able to succeed as a chapter is by building these, you know, interpersonal relationships where we can connect the right people together with the right energies and the right personalities to really, like you said, become a dynamic duo and go and send them out into the community and do amazing work like Granny Wishes. But it also works on the other side as well, which is for fundraising, like, you know, the mm-hmm. Tony Cardones and the Bob Fuhrers and, and and many, many others that help us on that, on that end as well with hosting a variety of different events throughout the years um, to really help sustain us as a chapter and keep us going and moving forward. You know, I want to go back to something that I find very mm-hmm. interesting because you started with Make-A-Wish back in 1998, which means that you saw potentially our 20th, our 25th, our 30th, and our now 35th anniversary years. How has that been for you to see so many of these milestones kind of hit when we've hit milestones, not only in anniversary years, but also on wishes. How does it feel to know that you're, you know, you're not just a part of our Make-A-Wish, you know, uh, history, but you are the living, the embodiment of our, our chapter that brings us back into that mid nineties, you know, period, which is really just 10 years after we were established as a chapter. Right. Right. And you know, I actually don't really think about it in that sense. I just kind of go about it every day, um, wish by wish, but, um, now that you've mentioned it, I, you know, I do realize how special that is. And, and I'm in awe that, um, that I've been able to have the opportunity to be a part of so many milestones for our chapter. I know, I remember, I don't know if you remember, um, when we had the 25th anniversary birthday party at the wish house. I'm not sure if you were there yet. I, I wasn't there yet. That. Yeah. Not yet. Oh, wow. So we had a huge birthday party. We used to have play dates at the wish house. Um, Every few months, we'd have themed parties where we would invite our wish families, um, siblings, parents, everyone. And we would have, um, I remember we had a hoedown for one theme and we had a Harry Potter theme. Um, We had all different fun experiences. And one of them was a, a birthday party to celebrate celebrate our 25th anniversary. So that that's a great memory to have. I remember Travis at the time, um, he was the one that got to blow out the candles for us. And you remember Travis. He's, of course, yeah. Cruise. Um, we still stay in touch too um, through social media. So that's been nice, you know, stay in touch with his family. But um, I mean, now that you mentioned it, it is, it's incredible. And um, I'm so happy that, you know, we're celebrating 35 years this year. I think like, wow, I'm very proud of us um, as a, as the Hudson Valley chapter. And of course I love working with you, Abe. And we should talk about that. That's we, a huge that's, that's um, memory. A good one. I mean, 1999, right? Yeah. So, so let's, <laughs> so let's, so not everybody knows this. This is actually I a know. really fun platform to be able to share this because we talk about it all the time and we're and always, you forget though. I a hundred percent forget that I'm a wish kid for sure. Um, but it's funny because for those that are listening in, um, as you guys may know, I'm, I'm a wish kid. My wish was granted back in 1999. But what most people don't know is that Denise is the one that helped coordinate my wish in 1999, which is wild. Because it's so then- wild. Yeah. And I remember, like, I have a vivid memory of being on the phone doing research on your cruise wish. <laughs> It's like crazy being in the back corner of the office in Mount Kisco and, and researching it and, going, you know, just planning it out, doing your itinerary, um, you know, number of people on the wish, things like that, making sure 
of everything that you wanted. I know you wanted a baseball wish first though, right? Didn't you I want- did. Yeah. My original yeah. wish was to, uh, I wanted to sit in the dugout for a New York Yankees world series game. Um, but you know, again, I couldn't be around five people, let alone 50,000 people in Yankee stadium. But you know, my wish was really, you know, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. It was, it was everything that I thought I didn't realize I needed, um, until I was, I was living it. And it was a great memory. Um, you know, just the fact that we had traveler's checks back then. I and know. That's and hard copy up. tickets. Hard, hard copy hard tickets yeah, for everything. I forget about it sometimes. It yeah. was such a different time. I mean, back then, yeah. again, you know, there was no email. Just yeah, no what, internet. I wasn't on the internet. I mean, there, we, there was internet, but we didn't have it. It was it was a luxury to have internet <laughs> back then. It was yes, not the like, dial-up tone. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and then it's crazy because, you know, also for those that may not, you know, know a lot about, how I got involved with, with Make-A-Wish. So, you know, seven years after my wish was granted in 1999, you know, we're looking at 2006-ish when I started getting involved with Make-A-Wish again after, you know, the crew over at the Hudson Valley chapter sent out a letter inviting all wish recipients or what we call wish alumni to be part of an alumni committee that was beginning to be formed at the chapter. And I remember receiving this letter and prior to that, I had wanted to get involved, but wasn't it was never the right time for whatever reason for me. But then when I received that letter, it was almost like that last push I needed to really get the process started. And I was able to be part of this alumni committee. And less than a year later, I was uh, I had taken a week off of a job I had. It was an accounting job at a, mm-hmm. uh, a therapy place for for special needs children. <laughs> and um, and I had taken that week off with the intention of finding a new job. And I get this. I had prior to that. You know, also for those that may not know, I had a great conversation with our president CEO, Tom. Um, I was representing the alumni committee at a, a Disney grant that we had received for the alumni committee. We went out to dinner afterwards and I just asked him, like, hey, are there any opportunities to work at Make-A-Wish? Um, and he said, not right now. And I was like, well, keep me in mind. Months mm-hmm. passed, never heard anything. Fast forward to that week I took off uh, wow. to look for a job. And all of a sudden I get a call from you saying, hey, are you still interested in an opportunity? And I was like, well, I just took a week it off. It was two seconds to like think of you. It was unbelievable. Yeah, we manifested it. We both met. You did and so did we. It was a, it was a marriage meant to be. And, mm-hmm. um, and I have to say, you know, now looking at it, you know, going into the, my 14th year, you're going into your 23rd. It's pretty wild, um, all the ebbs and flows that, that go along with it. But I think the one thing we both have talked about in the past is how, you know, this is not a job per se. This is a passion, you know, for the kids that we serve. Um, you know, you and I both have talked about how sometimes we wake up in the middle of the night forgetting some sort of detail and we're like, wait a minute, let me jump on this email or let me send this now. And, you know, it's constantly on our mind. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that this is, uh, we understand how transformative an experience of a wish is. And we we want to make sure that it's the right, it's perfect for every, each and every child that we deal with. And I think that's, you know, we've seen that in how new staff, when they've joined us, have the, how they've kind of taken that same approach when working on wishes. And, you know, it's one of those things that we're, you know, as a chapter, I can't say, I'm, I, I can't be any more prouder of us seeing how much mm-hmm. we've accomplished in all the 35 years that we've been uh, established. And, and obviously the time that I've been with Make-A-Wish, it's been fantastic. I can't see myself wanting to, you know, spend my workday anywhere else. Exactly. I mean, I can't imagine not working with you. You know, yeah, I agree. We're, we're lifers, right? We're we are lifers. Yeah. Life. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And, yes. you know, one of the funny things that, you know, we, I talked about with the, uh, the production team for the podcast was how, you know, one of the funny stories that, um, you, you tend to share from time to time is how, uh, you were part of a dinosaur committee with our Make-A-Wish America yes, um, right. work group. And, yes, you know, if you could share with dinosaur. our listeners, yeah, if you could share with our listeners what this quote unquote, dinosaur committee was, I mean, because it's, one, it's something that's really important to note that there aren't a lot of people within the Make-A-Wish world that have served 20 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, you can count them, you know, on a few hand on a hand, right? It's. I think it, there's a lot of turnover in the nonprofit world. Um, you know, when you go to conferences and you meet with other chapters and you, you see like someone's there, they have great ideas, they're new, and then they're, they're gone two years later. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we're, we're connected. We're, we're staying. I, um, but yes, I was part of a group called the dinosaur group at national because we were only there. I was there for 10 years or more, or maybe even seven years or more. I can't even remember anymore. Cause that seems like such a long time ago, but at that time that was considered um, unique and we were dinosaurs and we would, I, it's interesting though, because I think we were looked at, um, as mentors and, you know, coming up with all the answers and knowing everything. But as time goes on, what I'm learning is things change so much and evolve so much. So not only, I think we have to learn constantly. I'm learning something new every day. Um, so, you know, we were di- the dinosaurs uh, 10 or 13 years ago, but um, now I feel like I'm learning from our new team now, Ashlyn, Lenny, Nancy, I feel like they, they are uh, raising the bar. I think what you were saying, you know, they, they go the extra mile, they wake up in the middle of the night, you know, making sure that each detail is taken care of, um, kind of to go back to that. I wanted to make sure we spoke about our new team and how proud I am of, of who we're working. Like they, they make me want to work harder. Um, and I think, um, we together have created a great chapter, um, um, we've brought out Jillian, amazing, you know, yeah, that's, with training her and her, you know, it's so nice that you can trust her with the volunteers. You can finally, you know, move on to your marketing piece and, you know, it's just a, a good time. I can't imagine doing it without the team that we have now. Like they, they're just so good and smart and innovative, but I wanted to kind of go back to that because even though I'm a dinosaur, I'm learning so much. We're kind of learning together as we move forward and create, we have to create new guidelines because so much has changed during the pandemic where travel is not an option right now. So we've had to really focus on some wishes that could be, you know, it's not as turnkey and they take longer. And so um, we're all learning together. Um, as a team. And I just wanted to make sure I mentioned them and how proud I am. Absolutely. And and just as a reminder to our listeners, you know, you know, during this time of the pandemic, our wishes haven't stopped. They've evolved. They've been reimagined um, and they continue to evolve as time goes on as well. And while we did see an, a, a big uptick in gaming computers and laptops and other forms puppies. of electronics and puppies, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, we have seen that, you know, we have our tried and true wishes you know, local kind of wishes like above ground pools and, you know, and, and things like that, backyard structures, things that we would typically start granting in the spring and summertime anyway. And here we are we're at the cusp of spring at the time of this recording. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we're just getting ready and geared up for that rush of wishes that we normally would be granting around this year this time of the year anyway. But yeah, definitely definitely a huge shout out to the program team over at our at Make Wish Hudson Valley for not only growing with us over the years they've been with us, but also evolving and being flexible during a time in our history as a chapter where I'm not sure if anybody's really dealt with anything like what we've been dealing with over the past year. No one had a playbook for that. No, because initially I was comparing it to 9-11 when I was here and we couldn't, you know, obviously fly. And that was like a a brief moment. I think two months we were, you know, no travel wishes. Mm -hmm. I was comparing it and I wasn't really concerned. (laughs) Yeah. Time got, you know, went on. It was definitely a, a, a different scenario from 9-11, both, you know, traumatic and devastating, but um, this was a whole new learning experience um, for Make-A-Wish, all chapters and Make-A-Wish as a whole. So mm-hmm. it's a huge shout out to our team for, for just rolling with the punches, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, also shout out to uh, Make-A-Wish America for also providing yes. the level of support that we needed at a chapter level to be able to convey these messages out to our families, to our volunteers, and to, on, on a bigger scale to the public on how we were going to handle these this pandemic. And obviously between the pandemic, social justice uh came up as well during this period of time as like a big thing that we wanted to make sure that we were addressing. And then, you know, but over the years, I mean, like you said, September 11th, the 08 recession, I mean, Y2K, I mean, there's been multiple major things that have happened globally, you know, during your time with Make-A-Wish. And, you know, the one thing that's been constant in all of those things is that wishes continue to be granted and how, despite of what was happening around us or things that were outside of our control, we were still able to, to a certain extent, work on the wishes that we had, you know, some control of 
and keep those keep that hope alive for our wish kids because the kids were still in the hospital families were still struggling through that process of the of treatment um and and seeing their child you know go through such a difficult time and yet the one thing they had to look forward to at the end of everything was always a wish and um so that's something that thankfully we've always been able to provide to our families which is great I think it's not only about the end result. I think it's really about how we are able to enhance the whole experience with gifts that we send, or we have a great relationship with the Garter Dreams Foundation where we're able to send them, you know, for kids who are waiting to have their wish come true. Um, they can go to concerts and um, basketball games or hockey games. So there's, you know, it's not always about the end result. And yes, we do continue to grant wishes during this time, but we also continue to enhance their wish experiences during this difficult time. <laughs> and here we are. I mean, it's, it truly is unbelievable. Um, you know, I think we'll look back at this, this time of the pandemic as a time where we as a chapter really, we banded together uh, more than we've ever had before, I think. And, you know, we saw the writing on the wall that this was gonna be something that we had no end date um put out there for us so we are we had to make certain changes up front to kind of be prepared for all the the evolution of how this journey of wishes was going to go and uh, and we continue to evolve exactly and i think um as richard davis said we you know we continue to create hope during this time and wishes aren't stopping we just want to reimagine some kids have to reimagine a wish that can happen now if they want it to happen now we're gonna you know work with them to to see what their alternate wish is whether it be a gaming computer or a play set or like i said i met with isti recently and um she was fine with travel being on hold she was like no big deal she's like i want a tree house um so we went with that, but it didn't really phase her. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, partnering with um, people in the community to make wishes come true is what's most. I think that's what the silver lining is during this whole time is having the opportunity to um, work with the community more than ever um, with our local wishes. I think it's kind of brought us back to our roots um, of when we started. Yeah, and I think that's a great point to bring out to our listeners as a as a reminder that if you have a particular business that may be able to serve our kids in some way, reach out to us. Go to our show notes. There's a email there. It's called info at hudson.wish.org. Shoot us an email and say, hey, I have this particular business. I, I don't know how I can be of assistance, but I'm putting it out there if I can help in any way. I think just by raising your hand and saying, hey, exactly. I'm available. That's a huge help for us. And exactly. we'll find a way to, 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 you know, there'll be a wish at some point where we could potentially utilize that partnership. And I think by building this network of supporters, chapter supporters, it really is going to help us continue to that, that path of granting and providing hope to our wish kids. Hi, everyone. We're excited to share with you that beginning this week and through the month of June, Chappaqua-based 100percentbeads.com will be hosting a fundraiser to benefit Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. 100% Beads offers handmade custom jewelry made in the USA from beads, gemstones, and crystals. 10% of sales will benefit our chapter directly, and they're offering limited edition Make-A-Wish themed items for Mother's Day, including bracelets and a star pendant necklace. Go to the show notes for more information or visit 100percentbeads.com. Um, exactly. Like even down to lumber being donated, you know, something so simple, but <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. You know, electricians, painters, electricians, exactly. That, yeah. Huge. Um, you know, you don't think of these things again, marshmallows and clouds, but these are, you know, the details behind the scenes that need, you know, we need to secure um, to make sure the wishes of the highest quality. And I, you, you know, I love saying magic is in the details. <laughs> It's true. Magic is, is totally in the details. <laughs> and, it, you know, every, you know, with magic, the interesting thing about it is you have to sprinkle it, right? Which means that there's little specks of magic that make up that magic powder, you know, and that's really what our community is. They're all little specks into that magic powder that we have, that magic mix that helps create these you know, transformative wishes. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, if you're in the community and want to get involved, we we encourage you to reach out to us, you know, via our show notes. You can shoot us an email. You can find us on social media at Make Wish HV and get involved in some way, offer the help, and then we'll find a way to kind of incorporate you at some point on a wish, which would be fantastic. 
Um, switching gears a little bit, um, not to, not to change the topic, but you know, I'm curious if you can share a little bit about your relationship with one of our former staff members who just recently retired, and Sharon Hodney. I mean, you worked with Sharon for so many years, and you know, seeing how it kind of was very similar in the way that I came on board, where you know, she just happened to have a life, you know, change, you know, with her work, and then she you know, said, Hey, I want to get involved. I want to get involved at the chapter. What could I right. do? And it just kind of evolved into a 14 year career with us. Um, I mean, I love Sharon Hottie. She's like a sister to me and a bond, you know, that I think you don't usually have at work. So I feel like I, I you know, something will be friends forever. Um, she's one of the, again, one of the best people I know. And I think through making wish to meet these extraordinary people, but um, with Sharon, I am always thinking about the chapter. I'm always thinking about where we're going. So when um, we were looking to grow as a chapter and we were looking for someone to work on Disney world wishes, um, Sharon and I were always in touch similar with you. You would call and leave messages. Like I remember hearing your, your, your messages on our answer machine back then. <laughs> Sharon, she would be, um, she'd email me and just check in um, to see how things were going. And she, you know, of course was working on wishes. And then one day I just, you know, I think we were moving things around. We were actually hiring another wish coordinator, Chris Feblis, who was amazing um, to work on non-Disney, non-domestic travel wishes. So he was working on all those other wishes and he was Spanish speaking, which was awesome. So he was able to work with all our Spanish speaking families. So we needed someone focused on Disney World wishes. So I thought of Sharon right away, um, you know, and said, you know, would you be available? And she just happened to be, you know, it, it, it was just perfect timing. So she was available and, you know, she went through the interviewing process and, um, started April 4th, I believe. It's kind of weird. I'm noticing a pattern here. She started April 4th. Um, The alumni committee's first meeting was April 2nd. Hold on. I was looking up April 2nd, 2006. Wow. Um, So I'm saying, you know, in our anniversary is April 3rd, our 35th. So I'm noticing a pattern, right? And same with you with your July dates, you know, your... <laughs> yeah, my wish was granted in, during the 4th of July, which is my favorite holiday. And um, I got married in July. You know, I started working at Make-A-Wish in July, um, mm-hmm. which was, I actually started, my start date, I believe was July 9th, which was the day I returned from my wish uh, seven years prior, which is it's pretty crazy. insane how that all yeah. works out. Was it 2007 when you started? I was Yes, 2007 I started. the alumni committee was created. Okay. So, and then Sharon started in 2000. I want to say four, six. six? Is it? I know. I, I, should, like I should know that date. It was Sorry, 14 Sharon. years, right? I know. It was 14 <laughs> years. She retired in 2019. So okay. 2005. 2005. Yes. There we go. Yep. April, and so it's, I remember the April 4th. So. Um, well, it's amazing. You remember all these dates considering, you know, it's 23 years of dates. Um, I know you and I j- tend to joke around a lot because I think we are the, two of the only staff members that have emails from when we first started, um, yes. still archived that we still re- go back and refer to sometimes, which is pretty wild. Uh, I'm sure our, our IT people don't appreciate that we have emails <laughs> that are 20 well, years it's old. valuable information when I get certain wishes. I'm like, let me look back from two. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And you would think I wouldn't need it, but I mean, you know, the same message rings true years later. I think, um, you know, we're still kind of doing the same thing after all these years. But with Sharon, um, it was wonderful to work with her. She just was so, she was the perfect person to grant Disney and domestic travel wishes. And, you know, obviously, Erin, her daughter, had a wish to go to Give Kids the World. Um, so that was just a great um partnership as far as us working with Give Kids the World and that relationship that she built with Give Kids the World with Sherry Campbell. I want to give up to Sherry Campbell. She was our liaison, our relationship um, manager at Give Kids the World. So we can tag her in this podcast. 100%. She's, she's someone that I want to um, say thank you to. She's just, you know, wonderful to work with and um, obviously Give Kids the World best place, you know, to send our wish kids if they choose Disney. And I can't wait to grant those wishes again when it's safe to do so. But Sharon, yeah, no, we, we were, you know, we're close friends now and uh, there'd be nights where it'd be a hard day. And we'd just say, you want to go to Red Hat? <laughs> Red Hat knows us very well there. Yes. Or Mima's. Mima's the other one. So we would go out. But, yeah, Mima's no, has the best meatballs. I'll tell you that. Yes, um, they do. They do. Um, but yeah, no, now we'll, you know, I can't wait to visit her in Boston when it's safe to do so. When I think about Make-A-Wish, I think about family. And 
I think that kind of is interchangeable with community. But I think about Liz Seltzer and Anthony Judice, Renee Tang. Um, some of my best friends are Allie Curtis, Christine Stefano, Betsy Haggerty. These are people I met through Make-A-Wish. They were, um, Christine and Betsy worked on events um, and I met them that way. But Allie Curtis worked with us, as you know, and um, she was great. She was volunteer coordinator at one time and then she became development manager and um we were really good friends and i also went shout out to ali bracken who was also our first volunteer coordinator so we had hired her i think in 2001 so i was overseeing the volunteer department um with wishes but we kind of branched out we wanted to do more community outreach um in the different counties i remember going to duchess county um chamber of commerce meetings with her uh, but she was one of the first uh, volunteer coordinators. So she stayed, I think, a year. And then she went down to Georgia um, to, I think she got married. Um, but we still stay in touch. And then we hired Allison, uh, Allie Curtis, right after Allie Bracken as volunteer coordinator. That wouldn't confuse anybody by having an Allie replace an Allie. Yes, exactly. And then I know, I think Kristen Piccioni was the next volunteer coordinator. And she stayed for two years, which was great. She did a great job. And then we had you. Yeah, and I have to give a shout out to to Allie Curtis, my fam, because um, mm-hmm. she really helped me when I first started um, with Make-A-Wish because with Kristen, I only had a couple of days uh, to really you know train with her and, and kind of learn the ropes. And then Allie, even though she was in development, she and I shared an office space and, you know, she was always available for any questions that I had, any anything about the volunteers or about certain strategies or things that I wa- was thinking of, I would always bounce them off of her. And she was extremely helpful in my growth in the role um, when I first started. So shout out to Allie, who, you know, will be listening to this podcast. So thank you. Allie, I mean, we can now. interview her at one point too. Oh yeah, she absolutely. Had a new job at Nyack Hospital in the development department. So she- I would love to talk to her. Great to have her on, pod, on, on the podcast. Um, but she was very tech savvy. I feel like she was kind of heavy. You guys worked well together. You both understood websites and data and <laughs> I know. I mean, it was funny because when I talking about websites, so when I first started, for those that are listening in, you know, I, you know, I'm now the director of marketing, so it makes sense that I would be doing websites and uh, social media and stuff like that. But back when I started, you know, that was one of those tasks that I had, you know, on my responsibilities was to oversee our website um, development at our chapter, and it was a great, you know, change of pace from recruitment and training volunteers to then go into a completely different mind space of working on, you know, website design and HTML mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a really, it was a great, you know, a balance there. Um, but then obviously as the needs grew over the years, you know, there, there needed to be at some point, you know, additional staff, like you mentioned earlier, having Jillian, you know, Rodriguez, our volunteer coordinator join our staff, mm-hmm. which allowed me to kind of focus more on some of the other stuff, which is, which is great. And I think that's one of the things that has been consistent as a chapter is wherever we saw a need or we foresaw a need that's coming, we slowly started to prepare for it. Anytime we've seen some sort of uh, growth at the chapter, it's been coupled along with, you know, adding amazing staff like those that you mentioned, you know, that whether they spent the year with us or whether they've been with us for five years, you know, it's one of those things. Everyone played a role in our, in our growth as a chapter. Hillary Finkelstein, uh, uh, or Hadducker, as I know her, uh, Megan Lorelli, uh, Kelly. I just want to make sure we give a shout out. I think each time we hired someone, it, like you said, it was a stepping stone and, and to bring us, you know, to elevate us to the next level. Um, right. and- continue to get better and better. Yeah. And this podcast is all about celebration, right? It's all about celebrating our chapter and we would not be who we are if it weren't for the volunteers that support us and are the backbone of the organization, but also all the staff members that have come, you know, over the years to add their, their piece of the puzzle, you know, to this amazing mosaic we have of wishes, Um, which I guess switching gears a little bit, you know, just to talk a little bit about our former CEO, Jane Sherman. So Jane is the one that actually hired you um, to join the staff. How was it working with Jane and, um, you know, during that time when you first started? It was great. I mean, we worked a lot, a long hours. Like I would work from seven to seven easy. And that was before you could bring your laptop home and work from home. Um, But she was definitely someone Uh, She was very creative. So she really brought, again, brought us to the next level. Um, She 
recruited Liz Seltzer. And she also really created, she created a great board, including Tom Conklin, who is now our CEO. And um, at the time we were working together, she was really great with medical outreach. Like she understood, you know, she created our medical outreach program. She was really putting together our, I think she held one of our first galas. I think they paused for a while and didn't do galas. And then she brought it back. Um, but I did, I learned a lot from her. And at the time we received a million dollar request. I remember being in the office, um, a small office and she had this side office and said, Denise, can you come here? <laughs> Um, it was a FedEx that she had opened. Um, and she's like, can you count these zeros? And we were like, oh my gosh, it's a million dollars. Like, wow, this is, this is truly amazing. So that kind of helped us, um, move us to, to Terrytown. Like that was when that was a pivotal because receiving that, that request at the time. Um, and she did a lot of, um, research on where we should be located. She thought it was important to be by the bridge at the time it was the Tappan Zee bridge to kind of bridge um, our chapter with, you know, Orange County and Rockland County and Westchester um, and Duchess, Orange, uh, Delaware. Putnam, so, Ulster. Yeah, I can name them all, but she really, yeah. you know, she thought it would be great so that people could come to the office. And she thought it was good that it was only 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes away from Maria Ferrari Children's Hospital. So it was a great opportunity for kids to stop by the wish house. Um, so she was kind of like, she's the one that thought about moving us to, to Terrytown. Um, and the house where people could come and, you know, do their wish visits. Like she was, she created that whole idea. So she was definitely a visionary and she's kind of a mover and shaker. So she, she stayed for maybe five or six years and then um, she did what she needed to do and then, you know, moved on. Um, but it was, it was great working with her. I learned a lot from her and then it was all, you know, it's all, Tom's awesome. So it was, uh, you know, they're a little bit different. She's probably a little bit more, um, he's more structured, you know, more corporate you know, she was more on the um, creative side, which I think balance to learn from, which I think is important because every CEO we've had, you know, over the years, they brought their, their energy to the role, which is something that we may have needed as a chapter at that time. Exactly. Um, So Jane brought that creativity. She brought all that kind of stuff. And then Tom kind of, when he came on board, he put his stamp on it, like you said, more corporate, a little bit more structured. And then that's mm-hmm. kind of where we've been, you know, as a chapter, you know, since his you know, time with us. So it is it pretty was nice um, to have that balance of both. Um, so it was, it was good. But with Jane, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for you to interview her because I think what I'm learning with these podcasts, I haven't listened to all of them, but it's interesting to see everyone's perspective. Like I see it a certain way, but when I hear other I'll talk about that story. I'm like, wow, I didn't even look at it that way or I didn't think about it that way. Um, so it's interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear her perspective. I can't wait to talk to her because I really haven't had the opportunity to talk to her much over the years. I mean, every time, every every once in a while, we'll pick up the phone and she'll be on the other line and I will transfer her to you. Um, and that was pretty much the the extent of our conversations. But it would be great to talk to her and to kind of see where she where she's at now in her life and um, and thank her really for 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 being with us the time that she was with us, you know, for providing that that spark that we needed, you know, at that time. You know, and, and to have the foresight to move us to the Wish House, because, again, this podcast is called the Wish House podcast. We would not have a Wish House podcast had it not had we not had a Wish House. And um, exactly. Yeah. And no, so, so they were thinking about her and Liz Seltzer. Liz is kind of like weaved into our history, but behind the scenes, but they were kind of looking at places together. And I remember they furnished the Wish House together. They were, you know, um, again, both visionaries for where we should be at. Yeah. And shout out to Liz Seltzer and also Anthony Jadis for being the two volunteers that really helped us form our alumni committee early on. They were the first two volunteers that I met when I first got involved with Make-A-Wish. So it was really great to kind of pick their brain because they had been with Make-A-Wish for so long at that point. Um, and has so and it was stories. their idea. Like it was just they wanted because um, I did talk to Liz recently and she said, it's not only to dispel the myth that wishes for are for kids who are terminal, but also to give kids between the ages of 13 and 18, wish kids, the opportunity to give back. Like it was kind of missing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and having an alumni committee would be the perfect um, way to get involved with Make-A-Wish. And so it was really, she, she, it was, she and Anthony that created um, this wonderful committee. And I think, well, Anthony's calling me right now. Look at that. 
<laughs> you called him with your mind. And and shout out to Anthony because Anthony, you know, yes. Jadis is a volunteer that had been with us for many, many years. He then moved down to South Carolina. Um, and now during the pandemic, because all of our wish granting is done virtually, he's actually rejoined our chapter after a few years away from us as a virtual <laughs> wish granting volunteer. That just, just goes to show the type of volunteers that we have that go above and beyond borders, state lines, they're here to grant wishes and to help us, you know, provide hope to our kids. And, you know, volunteers like Anthony are really, again, what is the lifeblood of our organization is people like that, that, that do help us behind the scenes on, on working on wishes. So I know I miss our office volunteers. I, I didn't realize how much I would miss them until the pandemic. I mean, of course I knew, but they're the backbone of our chapter, but they do so much. Rita and Monica and Barbara, Barbara LaMaffa. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm doing a lot of mailings for myself. I have to clean closets by myself, <laughs> <laughs> work on closeout letters. So uh, shout out to all the office volunteers. You're like, thank you. You're you're helping us continue to run as a chapter. And uh, we can't wait to have you back when it's safe to, to do so. We're all vaccinated. <laughs> Exactly. We have that, that herd immunity and then we. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we couldn't do the work that we do without our volunteers. We're only a staff of 11, right. um, you know, granting. I don't know, but this year it was unique, but over 120 wishes a year, you know, whether um, it's wish granting or office volunteer or events to help us bring in money. Um, I just want to say thank you to all the volunteers and um, we couldn't do this work without you. And yeah, absolutely. And speaking of thanks, you know, we want to give thanks to you for for joining us on this amazing podcast. I have one other segment that we have as part of our episodes, which is called the Shooting Star segment, which is a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. Um, So we'll just start off with a, you know, a meatball, as they say in baseball. You know, out of all your years with Make-Wish, you have many, many memories. You know, what would you say is like your one of your top memories with Make-Wish Hudson Valley? I'm going to go with the alumni committee. I think it was a pivotal moment in our chapter. Um, I think it brought us you. Um, it brought us Buddy O'Donnell. Um, Brian Shin is involved. Um, and I think now it's really part of a national concept. So I'm going to say the alumni committee is one of my favorite memories. I, I thought it was going to be when Mike Ben is saying happy birthday to you I at know, our wish ball. I, I know. <laughs> no, I was going to pick two. And that's the second one because I took 40 uh, one of our wish balls and on and uh mike bennett thank you so much it's a memory of a lifetime <laughs> but it was one of my other memories i was going to share yeah and, and really I spe- didn't want to be about myself you know i felt like that was kind of like egotistic. no but that's a that's a great memory man i mean i gotta say i was in the back of that um i was running around like i was doing at that time with volunteer stuff but that opportunity i had to stay stand in the back of the room and just watch mm-hmm. it all unfold. It was fantastic. They had flowers <laughs> for you. And Mike Bennett saying happy birthday. It was such a beautiful moment. It um, was. It was a perfect moment to celebrate my 40th birthday, to have my family there, um, friends. But you were surprised, right? You didn't even know that they yes. were going to be there that day. No, that I didn't know. And, um, and of course, I love Make-A-Wish. So to be able to celebrate my birthday um, and all my accomplishments with Make-A-Wish, it was just great to be there and celebrate 40 years. Now it's going to be 46 soon, so. <laughs> well, we won't talk about age yeah, uh yeah. but i'll tell you what i mean i have another question for you so you know you've worked on either directly on wishes um or you've heard of many wishes over the years with make wish both locally as well as nationally you know so what would you say is one of your favorite wishes that you've either heard of or granted you helped grant yourself I know that's so tough. I know these are these are really also weird questions for us, and we get asked that a lot at the staff level when people say, "Oh, what's your favorite wish?" I mean, it's tough to pick one because they're also unique. Um, they're all very special, so you know, there's no one better than the other. There isn't. Like I think of Jack McGuire's wish and Ty Campbell's wish, and um, obviously Sarah Hyman and Mike Herb. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I think I think I've always stuck with this story. It was for this child, Matthew, um, who wanted to meet the New York Yankees. And he was told in a few days to live and he was in the hospital um, and he had he just never had good news. Like it, there was one hardship after another. And um, he was told in order for you to meet the Yankees, you have to leave the hospital. So you're going to have to walk. So I felt like this was the first time that I experienced he 
he was able to use that as hope and motivation to get out of bed. And it motivated him to get out of bed. Um, so he practiced every day to get out of bed. And then eventually we got an ambulance um, that picked him up at the hospital and brought him to Yankee Stadium. He met all the players. He sat in the dugout. I think they called us from the dugout. Um, he had his name on the Jumbotron. Um, and then they sat in a suite where it was warm. Um, and then the ambulance brought him back to the hospital. And he got out of the hospital. He continued, you know, he thrived. He said make saved his life. Um, unfortunately, he did pass away later on. But during that time, um, I felt like this was the best story because it really was a reflection of hope, strength, and joy um, at that time. So that was Matthew um, was one. Also, I love simple wishes. We had a wish for a child who wanted a Honda Odyssey. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. Yes. In I their do. parking and their um, driveway. Yes. Working with the local Honda, um, they were able to let us um, borrow, I guess, or lease a Honda Odyssey um, where this little boy, Dominic, um, just was obsessed with it and just wanted to be able to sleep in it um, and just have it for the week. And um, Make a Wish, I'm sorry, Mount Kisco Honda was wonderful. Um, his favorite song was Bad to the Bone, <laughs> blasting, <laughs> and they drove um to the home and obviously there were other like enhancements that made it fun but I thought like wow what a what a simple wish that made this child so happy and I think donors and volunteers and just people in the community felt connected to it like such a simple wish um and that's another good one wow Christine Cookman and Tara I can't remember Tara's last name but um they're they were a good team but they worked on that wish so that was another wish I have so many wishes I feel bad even you know, just saying those two wishes because every wish is special to me. And I love my new wish, Izzy, for the treehouse. She's awesome. And I loved um, getting to know her. She said um, cancer, you know, she didn't know what she wanted to do when she grew up. But then once she got cancer, um, she figured out she wants to be a child life specialist. So I'm like, how cool are you? You know, like she said, cancer helped, you know, guide her on where her future is going. So I said, give me a call in a few years. <laughs> We work with child life specialists all the time. You know, we'll have a job waiting for you. So. That's amazing. And for those that are listening to this episode, we encourage you to also go back and listen to Trisha Hiller's episode, which is episode, I believe, 14, uh, who is one of our lead child life specialists over at Maria Ferrari's Children's Hospital. So please go back and listen to that episode. We played it during Child Life Specialist and also Social Work Awareness Month in March. Um, so go back and check it out if you want to learn more about what being a child life specialist is all about. Um, so and Denise, thank I'm, you to the medical community, because I, I think that's probably the, my favorite part of my job is working with the hospitals and the social workers, Rose Bartone, Barbara McLean, Christine from the Infusion Center. Um, you know, they, we couldn't do our work without our referral sources. They're the ones that are in the front lines, making sure that wish families know about us, knowing when it's the right time to make that referral. Um, and kind of setting the tone with wish expectations. Um, so shout out to, to the social workers, child life specialists, and all the referral sources um, that we get the opportunity to work with. Uh, there you go. Shout out to everyone. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I have another question for you, Denise. Yes. So, you know, speaking of community members and those that help us, you know, refer kids to us and also help us on granting wishes, you know, what advice would you give to someone in the community who is interested in volunteering or is looking to donate to make Wish Hudson Valley, what would you tell them to encourage them to, to do that with our chapter? Man, I think it's the best feeling to give. I think people like to give and to see, you know, that they're making an impact on a child's life. Um, and I think it's, you know, you see it, it's such a tangible thing where you can get a picture, hear a story, um, but it's such a good feeling. I think people love begets goodness. So when you're, you know, giving to others, you know, they're, you know, pay it forward and um, give back to the community. So it's, um, I mean, I think our chapter is awesome. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, I it's we, a great, we're small enough where we know everyone's name. Um, I think um, everyone can connect one another. I know a lot of the volunteers love going to your conferences and getting to know one another, or you're seeing each other at the wish house or at, um, galas. So I think it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to give back. Actually, um, touch base with my friends today who are donors. And I, I just wanted to hear their perspective on how they wanted to give, you know, how they felt giving back. 
Um, and she said, it's an organization that brings a little happiness or light to a child and family. They're going through a difficult time. And sometimes it's that little break from reality that recharges everyone. And it shows you that there really is kindness in the world. And she said, not to be cheesy, but I also think that making kids or families going through difficult times or situations feel special is probably some of the best medicine. So I thought that was really. Um, Hits the nail on the head with that. So thank you so much, Denise, for sharing so much about your relationship with our volunteers, our you know, wish parents. And you actually have a really great relationship with one of our uh, wish dads and former board directors in Michael Quinn, right? I do. Yes. Um, that's one of the wishes that I remember the most. Um, his son, Michael, um, was a huge Miami Dolphins fan. Um, so I was I feel um, honored that I got to, to coordinate his wish. Um, and I think it was in 2002. Um, yes, they um, they met. Um, they went down to Florida in October of 2002. I, but it's a wish that I'll remember forever. And um, Michael Quinn is after that. He was a board member, as you mentioned, and he was key in having a father's perspective, a wish dad's perspective on the board. Like we had a lot of guidelines or budget approvals, and he, you know, he always gave us that perspective from a father. Um, and he's this, you know, this big, tough guy, but he is one of the most sensitive and loving people that we know. He gives a great bear hug. <laughs> he does give great bear hugs. He'll lift he you does. right up. Yeah. So he, it, it's been great to be connected to him and his wife, Bridget, throughout all these years. I know through um, the Friends for Michael Foundation, they gave back to me um, for many years with adopting uh, many wishes throughout the years. I think they're living in Arizona now. They used to live in Orange County, which was another connection to Tony Cardone and Tom Sullivan, who I, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned before, but he was key um, in some of the relations we built throughout the years. But yes, um, Mike Quinn, um, amazing, amazing person. I'm, I had the honor to, to meet him through granting his son's wish. And exclusive uh, information for our listeners, we do have a great interview with Michael Quinn that will be released in June. So look out for it. It'll be part of our Father's Day edition of uh, episodes that we'll be releasing um, during the month of June. So look out for it. It's a great one. He talks in depth about, you know, both his experience with Make-A-Wish as a wish dad and also, you know, seeing his wish, his son's wish come true and and all the uh, and the powerful impact it left on you know, himself and, and everyone around him. So yeah, it's a great conversation we have with Michael. So definitely check He's it out. He's one of the best speakers I've ever heard. He'll make you cry. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we, we tell you in advance now, you know, get the tissues because yes. um, he shares some really powerful stories of how, you know, uh, you know, just a, an amazing wish that his son had and, and, and everything that happened after. So and I think he introduced us to Jesse Germain at West Point. I think he was the one that kind of connected us. There's a lot of dots to connect here. So yes, yeah. And <laughs> Another amazing person and speaker, um, Jesse Germain. So it all kind of comes together. A lot of Orange County roots that we have there. Um, I think one of the things I've seen over the years is that anytime we've had a chapter supporter from Orange County, like they go hard, like they go all in with mm -hmm. Make-A-Wish. And I think not only them, but they encourage and inspire all the people around them to get involved just as well. And I think that's one of those things that is really unique in all the chapters, all the counties that we cover. It tends to happen a lot in Orange County. I don't know why, but it's just a tight-knit community that they really rally they, around each other in support of their, of their community members. And they all know one another. We yeah. didn't realize it until later. Diana Phelps seems to be connected. Rosemary Knapp, I believe, is there. Yeah, no, the Nicole Melodantry also knows yes. a lot of people there as well. And um, uh, yeah, there's just been so many that uh, the, um, Dugan um, also is very yes. involved in Orange County. Um, I'm trying to think of Sydney, the Lundgrens, I believe, are there. Mm -hmm. Um, and Joanne Parker. Joanne Parker, one of our you know uh, long long standing volunteers with our chapter yes. as well, and you know and truly Jimmy Feldhouse. I know that they're also connected to in Orange County. There's a whole connection, and then there's also a nurse practitioner who I went to college with, and she's a nurse practitioner at what at Maria Ferrari Children's Hospital. So it all it's small all world connected, you know. And I think that's one of the funny things that tends to come up on our, a lot of of our conversations is how. Make-A-Wish not only inspires the community, but it brings the community together. And we don't realize a lot of times 
all the people that are that know each other and sometimes they know each other and they meet each other at an event and they almost by mistake and then they're like how long have you been volunteering with the chapter i'm like oh i've been here for a year i've been here for three years like how did we never mm-hmm. meet so that tends to happen a lot at our chapter and again it's a testament to um our, our supporters you know mm-hmm. um everyone that that we that we have uh, as a volunteer or chapter you know uh, supporter or, or community member that's involved with us i mean it's truly an amazing um, paella, if you can call mm-hmm. it that, of, uh, of of supporters. So, which is which is awesome. I have another question for you, Denise. Sure. Um, I know you talked earlier about your 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 new addition to your family and Bo, your your cavapoodle. Um, but if you could have a wish, you know, what would it be? And I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. Just to remind our listeners, we have five formal wish categories. They include to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So out of those five formal wish categories, what wish would you choose? I would definitely say travel with my family. I would love to, um, probably go to Italy with my, I would want to include my extended family. So I know there are rules, <laughs> Dad, my sister and my nieces. I think that would be, um, and now I bring Bo, my dog too, if that was possible, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely say travel. I love traveling. Um, so it would definitely be a trip somewhere. Absolutely. And last question for you, Denise, in one word, how would you describe make wish? Oh man, that's a hard one. Um, Cause I have three words that come to mind. Community. We're a conduit to the community. We couldn't do this work without everyone in the community. Um, family. I think of everyone as family, whether it be staff, volunteers, wish families in general. And then um, empowerment. That's the word I wanted to end with. Like I want, I want kids to feel empowered that we're going, we're not pitying you. We're coming in. We want you to have control of what you want. Um, I want parents to feel empowered. You know, it's the first time they can talk about something else besides their child's illness. It's um, they can talk about their child's wish or trip or something else that's positive. And then I think staff, I want our staff to feel empowered. I want to be able to give them the tools and resources that maybe we didn't have because it was, you know, we started years ago, but um, now to give them opportunities to grow um, and feel empowered uh, at our chapter. So I'm going to go empowerment as my last third (laughs) word. I love it. Well, I got to say, Denise, this has been such a tremendous chat and uh, and truly a privilege to talk to you because, I mean, like I said, like I started with this episode, you know, you are one of the most, you know, talked about uh, members of our staff. You know, anytime we post anything on social media or anything, it always gets a huge spike in engagement. Um, And I think that's a testament to your energy, what you put out there in the world. Um, It is all good. You know, there, there's there's a lot of goodness and kindness in you, which I think people see, they feel it, and they know that when they make when they put our they put trust in you or they put trust in Make Wish Hudson Valley, they know that it's that we're gonna take care of them. Again, Denise, we can't thank you enough for for chatting with me and in celebration of our 35th anniversary year. You've been with our chapter for 23 of them, and again, you you have left your an indelible mark on mo- on hundreds and hundreds of children's lives and and even more volunteers and chapter supporters as well. So we can't thank you enough. And thank you. Thank you. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast to help us reach as many people as possible about our wonderful mission. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing our podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and healthy.